Hey everybody, welcome to Code Pen Radio number 332. This is going to be a Code Pen Radio on the TV, so either there's a video version that you can watch right in your podcast player, or maybe it's an audio version. I don't know. I'm just recording it right now. You're you're listening in the future. That's amazing. Or watching. Uh, but there definitely will be a video component to this because we're going to show you some stuff, but hopefully we can talk through it nicely too. We're going to be talking about um, server-side rendering, a concept in web development, which just means that like you went the extra mile and even though you're architecting your app in uh, client-side-like technology, that you've also made sure that it's going to render on the server side as well. So here to talk with me about that and really <laughs> educate me on how we're doing it at CodePen or are going to be doing it in the future is Mr. Stephen Shaw. Hey, Stephen. Hello, everybody. Yeah, man. So we, you know, last week, I guess, on this very podcast, I talked with Marie about our new CP admin tools, like behind the scenes tooling to improve, you know, what we do for customer support and all that. And there was a lot of story to that because yes, we want new admin tooling. Admin tooling is great. It improves what we're able to do for you and it makes it satisfying to do tasks that you need to do as an employee here at CodePen. But the real story was that there's more to it than that. We are trying to prove out some new technology for CodePen uh, that we can like evolve into and take advantage of for new areas of CodePen. And that was Next.js and that we're gonna plan to use that because it's such a nice React framework for, for authors and then has SSR built into it. Again, that's server-side rendering. It's possible to bring that to the party. So if we needed to prove out, hey, if we're really going to use this for CodePen, it has to have that because some areas of the site are so vital for uh, for SEO and speed and all that. So that was a kind of on the requirements list, which is one of the reasons we are chasing down Next.js. Now we're shipping a real product in it. It is only admin tools, but all of that was built in Next.js. And then towards the end of that process, Stephen was like, I'll continue to use it as a playground for for SSR, right? So let's see. Let me uh, let me kick your screen onto the uh, onto the old video stream here, so people mm. can look at what I'm talking about. Next.js Vercel's framework for React, and then what's the what's going on on the right? Yeah. So Apollo is kind of our main data API. Like this is this is everything we use to serve uh, data to the front end. We've got uh, we're using their GraphQL kind of tools, um, both on the server side and the client side. Uh, to to kind of deliver everything. And um, so in order to actually server-side render, like we've got to integrate Next and Apollo to work together. And okay, so it's not just Next's job here. Like, <laughs> right. We need the, we need da data to, what would you call that? Populate the front end before, before SSR can even do its thing. It's, it's kind of important to have the data. I'd uh, say so, sure. Yeah, so you know, just starting out research, obviously Googling Next.js, Apollo, like seeing seeing what's out there. Um, one of the first things we we came across, there there's some like official approaches. Um, they've they've got this uh, Apollo has this blog post um, from pretty recently, March 9th, 2021, mm. uh, talking about getting started with Apollo client and and Next.js. 
Um, and Which doesn't the, say SSR in the title, right? Because isn't there, you could architect an app that just is like, screw it, I'm not going to do SSR at all, just client side. Right. And I think that's maybe, I, I hate to say it, but kind of the default for React. Well, yeah, that, that's, yeah. What we, that's what we have uh, integrated for pretty much all of the admin API. You know, it's just fetching the data client side when the, when the page loads um, and, and everything renders out in React and that, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it works fine. You know, we've got plenty of areas on uh, CodePen right now, the live site, uh, that are all kind of client-side rendered and client-side fetched. Um, and so yeah. eventually we hope to get that a little bit more integrated with uh, with using Next uh, for server-side rendering and, and kind of pre-fetching and pre-filling all that data. Um, yeah, like when you can, right? Like some pages, right. it's, it, it, some pages, honestly, it's kind of like who cares? Like your your settings page or something. It's like that's just client side rendered. It's never public ever. It's yeah. kind of like who cares if that isn't. But for speed, maybe it matters. But if SEO and kind of that stuff is your main concern, it, it it doesn't really matter. Then there's this other kind of server side rendering that like maybe was popularized by the Jamstack model, which is like I'm going to pre-build literally every single URL mm -hmm. into static yeah. HTML and serve that. And that's like kind of not the. Is that where you're headed with this? Is well, so that that is uh, kind of two options that Next gives you. Uh, within Next, there's um, when when you're creating like a page in Next.js, there's uh, two properties you can add to it called get server-side props or get static props. Mm -hmm. And um, they're essentially the, the same thing, but for different parts of kind of like the build process. Um, get static props is for when you run like uh, yarn run build or whatever. Like it's it's going to go through all of the pages and render out like actual static HTML. And if you have that get static props uh, property mm -hmm. on there, it's going to you know handle everything in that function and then use that data that's provided to actually render out the page. Which will be um, super fast, right? Because HTML is like as fast as it gets. Right. Yeah. It's it's essentially just serving the raw file on the yeah. on the server and that that works fine and then I, I think there's some advantages to using like next uh to do that because you can like uh like hydrate the client you know to, so like the it's yeah. an actual like live react page but delivered over the wire as like I think this it by default does that page. like you don't have any choice right. like, yes you're static building it but it's still going to hydrate Last I heard, they had some like experimental property where you could turn off client side JavaScript and then, you know, hey, cool. Now you're not shipping any JavaScript. That's neat. But, I, you know, I kind of like that it ships some JavaScript generally. That, yeah. I kind of ultimately like that that single page app kind of feel to things. But anyway, yeah. that's not practical for us because we have millions of users so like we're right. not gonna pre-render that that's not happening but, yeah. and, but and of course we have the server chops to like for example throw up a node server behind next.js so i think that's what you chase down mostly is like can you assume there's a literal server behind this right so that that's kind of what we were focused on is like when a page is requested can we render that on the server before delivering it to the client for SEO, for fast loading, like just to make a for a better experience, uh, and so that that's what that get server side props um, is is for. Like whenever a page is requested, and Next is actually running as a server, um, it runs that function um, or that method to uh, to actually render out the page. So it it uh, provides like uh, the data, and you can send that through to the component that's actually going to you know, render as like the React uh, components in the page. 
you can pass through data in that way. And that that's kind of what this Apollo blog post mostly focuses on uh, for server-side rendering. Interesting. Um, so that, that, that GraphQL query that we're looking at right there is going to happen in Node, not in the browser. Right. This does not run on the client. Um, this only runs on the server, and then it passes that through to the actual like page uh, okay. in index.js. Isn't that uh, like problem solved then? Like what's that's it's it's okay. Um, so one of the one of the issues kind of with this is so number one, you've got to set this up at the page level. Um, so at the very top level, you can't you can't have it like in a subcomponent of oh, that page, right? Um, and you don't you don't have like that that query as like a live query on the page. Um, so if you if you wanted to like have this country's data um, referenced in a way that it was going to actually respond and like update on the client to you know like a refetch or like a page refetch, change right. or, or you know just new data coming in, um, that's not going to work because this was all just handled on the server side and passed through just as yeah it doesn't, it doesn't like hydrate it's not that intelligent about rehydration right. so what then what if you want that to happen then you have to rewrite that same exact graphql query again right so you're essentially duplicating that query and and then uh for the, like the client side it's it's essentially getting the data from the server like server rendered and then it's refetching that data because you know it it doesn't understand oh, that, the, that the data is already there. It has to run the query literally twice. Oh, right. So, you know, that that's not really helping anything other than maybe like SEO, like it's, you know, a little bit of a benefit there. And uh, as I was digging, like I found um, Next.js has like an actual Apollo uh, server and client uh, demo okay. that helps with some of this. So in, in, their, in their setup, so they still have like a duplicate query. Um, but they're doing it in in a mostly similar way for like the client and the and the server. So it, okay, it so you saved yourself some problems. typing there, I guess. You know, because you yeah. And the the interesting part about this though is they they've solved that hydration bit. So they they've got the um, the Apollo client cache um, that they're extracting, mm -hmm. and then they actually use that um, to like fill the client side Apollo cache. So Apollo knows that it has that data. And so it doesn't need to refetch that data to then like render the page. Um, and then it keeps that query as like a live query and ready to go. Interesting. So it, so for example, if, you're, if, the, if the SPA has been booted up and you clicked over to a second page, that's not going to happen server side. It's only going to happen client side. The query is still ready for that. And it knows the cache is empty probably and is happy to fetch it clients yeah side. actual like page changes I, i'm not sure like how next handles handles that uh too too much like in, in terms of a single page application like navigating around um but as far as apollo is concerned like if you had a separate mutation elsewhere um that was that was updating this data apollo would recognize that this is the same data because it's in the cache and it's got yeah. all the proper ids mm -hmm. um or if you had like pagination, like, you know, you're rendering the first page of results from the server, but then they click next or previous page or whatever, um, that that could happen in the actual client side query. Um, so they're not even necessarily navigating to a new Next.js page. 
Okay, and but this is still a page, right? So right. So this is still book. top level. So in pages like index index.js, and mm -hmm. it's it's really configured like per page. Like you have to know what query that the the page is going to use like down the line. Um, you know, depending on your component setup, like that that may or may not be ideal. You're still having to duplicate the queries, though it's a little less than like the Apollo example. Yeah, so it's kind of asking you, hey, can you please think about all of the data on this page before you render it? Which I think some people would be like, okay, that's fine, you know? Yeah. But, I think, and but we have like a user card or something, and the user card, you know, our mental model is that's where the query for the user should be. That's right. We, we kind of want all that stuff like self-contained, like in its, in its own component with its own query. Um, and we use Apollo to like help dedupe like, um, not re-requesting or, you know, sending too many requests. Like it kind of batches things together yeah. where possible and, and, that's what and a, uses Apollo wants you to do. Right. Seems and, like. and that, that works great, uh, for, for us. Um, so this model, it, it works, but it's not really ideal because it's, you know, there's still like a lot of duplication and a lot of like pre-setup per page, um, mm -hmm. versus like components. Um, so as as I kept researching and like digging around, um, I, I found that Apollo actually has some server side uh, methods um, for like rendering out a page with queries. Um, so it's got this get data from tree method from Apollo client React SSR, mm. um, and you essentially pass that a component um, that it um, that it runs through all the oh. render trees. Any any time like use query is called, um, it essentially you know creates a promise and waits for that waits for that data, and and then continues through the rendering after that data is is available or essentially something like that. Uh, and and so the way they they have it set up as well in in the docs is they extract the cache from that just like the the other next um, example, and they pass that that through uh, to be able to be used to actually like render the page. Mm, so um, it has some smarts built in here. This tree stuff seems smart. It seems like now I don't have to think about the top level query. I can leave the queries in the components where we want them. Right, because this this is just gonna crawl through everything and, and find what, what's needed and and uh, fetch yeah. all that data. Okay. And then we can pass that through for, for actual rendering. Um, and then I kept digging to like figure out like how get data from tree could work in Next.js. Um, and I found a two-year-old gist um, <laughs> uh, by this user, Tylerian, um, I guess, uh, that had this kind of example of like using um, get data from tree in Next.js's uh, document. Um, so there's a, there's a, in, in Next.js, you've got like the underscore app um, wrapper um, that kind of helps you do like some default setup for for rendering your pages. Like if you wanted to have a header on every page, or if you wanted to set like the meta tags on every page, like you can do that in the underscore app yeah. uh, JS file. Um, and then the underscore document uh, JS file is actually like controlling how the document is like rendered and served. So the the app js is kind of like everything inside the html tags and then the document js tag uh is is kind of everything like 
including the HTML tags and like the actual like server request um, in in some ways. All right, that's confusing, but okay. So you have uh, yeah. to use document here for whatever reason. Right. So that this essentially is helping us handle the request. So whenever the request comes through, we can kind of uh, deal with that a little bit. Um, so in Tylerian's example, he's got um, he's got get data from tree happening here. Um, and he's kind of intercepting uh, like some of the Next.js rendering and all this. So like there, there were some complications to it, but it looked workable. And, you know, maybe this is all just related to an older version of Next. You know, this was two years ago. So yeah. uh, I kind of use this as as like the, the starting point um, to kind of come up with uh, with a method that that worked for us. Um, mm -hmm. So I've got this little mini repo here. Um, where I've integrated this in like the kind of minimal viable way. Um, and uh, it, it essentially boils down to um, creating a, a shared Apollo instance um, that, that's going to fill the cache and then reference that cache for rendering. Um, and then we're going to render the page with get data from tree. And then we're going to pass that through to like actual next rendering. And then uh, we're going to extract that cache um, to actually render on the page, um, so yeah, it it's it's a little tough, uh, but I'll I'll walk us I'll walk us through it uh, in hopefully a way that okay that makes so sense. Starting here at the page level, again. right? So this is just a standard page. Um, I've set up Apollo client uh, to actually fetch from this uh, GraphQL Job jobs <laughs> API. Sure. Uh, it, it was just one of the public ones I could find. And so it just lists out the jobs, no, nothing fancy here. Um, so I've got a standard query, you know, it's just pulling that data. And yeah, if you looked at this, way. you couldn't tell that you even planned to do it server right. side or whatever. It just looks like a normal page. Right. And then in the app JS, I've got just a normal setup. It's it's initializing the Apollo client and wrapping everything in Apollo provider so that Apollo works. Mm -hmm. um, and I've just got this get Apollo client function um, that that's kind of helping some of the some of the I magic see. happen. So that, this also looks very normal. Other than that, other than that, like ooh, obviously you wrote your own little Apollo client getter here. So I assume there's some magic in there. Yeah, which we use these kind of wrappers anyway for like right. so you don't have to have the same options or like initialize everything like in this in this one area. Like it just it helps um, yeah, kind of group the code. Uh, so if we go over to the actual document JS, here's where things start getting um, getting interesting. Um, so we're extending the the main Apollo client because uh, document because we don't want to have to like actual actually <laughs> return the HTML tag and like all that kind of stuff that that the next uh, next mm -hmm. document already provides. Uh, but we are attaching onto the constructor and this get initial props uh, function. Um, so the get initial props is essentially what wrote, what loads uh, or what runs every request or like um, get static props uh, call if you're rendering out the static pages. Um, so we're doing the same kind of get Apollo client uh, call. And this, this allows us to create like a shared Apollo instance. So if we look back here, I've got like a global-ish uh, variable, you know, scope to kind of this, this file. Mm -hmm. um, and we're creating an Apollo client stored on that and then returning that. Um, and we can force a new one, uh, which we're doing every every request. We've got this true um, coming through. So every page request, it's creating a new Apollo client. Um, it's running 
on on the with the server side mode enabled this is something apollo client needs otherwise if it detects it's on the server it's just gonna it's just gonna uh pass through like it's it's not gonna do anything um and then we've got we've got the cache uh, that that will later that will later fill. Um, so okay. we initialize the Apollo client in our document. Uh, we run the get data from tree function um, based on what Apollo tells us this page app tree is, um, and we're just rendering it as as normal um, in that in that way. So this Apollo client is now um, running through get data from tree. Every use query reference is filling up the cache and, and rendering out the page as normal. And then our uh, we actually, once the cache is full, we use uh, next regular document.getInitialProps to render the page using that same shared Apollo client. Uh, so the cache is already full. And then uh, and then we render that all out uh, for next and pass that through just like a normal Next.js rendering. Uh, but we also extract that cache and pass that through um, so that so that we can later that we can later use that. Um, so we've got the extracted cache here, and then we attach that to this kind of global next data variable um, mm -hmm. that you can use to set up like environment variables and all that. So the client side has access to that. Um, to that kind of stuff right so there could be 50 queries that happen in the tree and it's happy to just get them all right. and, and do it the kind of the smart whoever knows however it works under the hood apollo way where it dedupes and all that right right so you're uh, taking advantage of the best that everybody has to offer here it just took, <laughs> it took some doing <laughs> yeah so if i if i refresh the page here you can see i've got render time just showing like how long it takes to to render the page this may seem a little long, but keep in mind that's also including like actually fetching all these results from this third-party server and then and then returning that back. Most of that time is actually just <laughs> fetching that that data. Um, and then if we view source here, we can actually see everything is is rendered out. Like this is all the data yeah, um, from the API the SSR proof. Right. And and all that, all these little like comment tags, that's kind of React's way of like attaching um, those those areas to the to the DOM. Um, and uh, yeah. yeah, cool. So it worked. Right. And this is a, you know, this is a funny example where the wait, did you put the query on the card or something too? It's not a query that happens. Uh, uh, no, so it's it's just it is just happening at this top level, but it works um, at at any level. Um, just to keep it simple, though, it's it's um, right. listed out like that. Um, and then I set up another page um, to show like the live query kind of example. Um, so that this is the refetch uh, page example. So we've got just a normal uh, use query. Um, we're we're watching the network status so that we can tell like where where this came from. Um, so when we first render the page, we see the page, uh, the cache was full. So it just rendered this page out from, from the server. It didn't have to re-render on the client. Um, but we're extracting this uh, refetch function from the, from the use query. Yeah. And when you, when you click that, it's actually going to fetch that data client side. So we refetch, we got our loading state, and then it tells us the data was fetched from the client. Um, so we can 
nice keep our queries live like refresh which is we use all the time that's the kind of the classic like i don't know a drop down menu changed or something so i need to right. to run that again but i don't want to refresh the page you know right or it in a separate component you know like the settings page like you were talking about if you change mm -hmm. your setting in one area like other areas may need to be aware of that setting um, so by keeping that live, Apollo is going to reference the cache and re-render the appropriate areas on the client, right. um, even though it was, it was also rendered from the server. That's kind of the, that's kind of a good, you know, reason why we don't regret picking Apollo's because they have those, right. even though it can be complicated, they have those, you know, they have those, they have reactive variables, they have client side state, they have all this stuff that's like, yeah, turns out we actually do need all that stuff. Um, pretty yeah. cool. Pretty cool. So that tree thing. So, I mean, what's your analysis so far here? Is it kind of like, I wish this was easier? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I tweeted out about this just to, you know, make sure I was on the right track, make sure that, um, this, this would actually work. I wasn't just, you know, seeing some, some kind of weird, weird results. Um, I got some feedback from next, uh, devs and, and Apollo devs, um, saying that, yeah, this, this does work, but it's not it's not recommended and the reason they don't recommend it is because uh it's it, like depending on how you have your queries set up like that this can require like a lot of rendering on the server um for oh. example if you if you got like a conditionally rendered component that's based on other data from another query um once that first query fetches then the page is now re-rendering and that new query shows up so the server goes back through and waits for that data to render and then comes back through so like you can get into some long render times um but my my kind of solution for that uh if we go back to our apollo initialization um mm -hmm. you can actually set up default options for um for queries. Uh, so in our Apollo client, there's a default options uh, object for watch query and query. We can say SSR false. Um, for every query, you can mm. enable or disable it for server-side rendering. So if we go ahead and save that and go back to our simple, our simple page, um, uh, let's see, actually on the refresh page, we refresh this, let's see. Do it. Yeah, I'm not not sure. I may have that. Um, oh, you're, working you're, you're saying server-side rendering shouldn't be. It should not. Or, it should, right. Should this not this should working. disable the server-side rendering for for all the queries. Uh, some something else is is going on there. But uh, the the idea there is the queries that you do actually want to run on the server for like the essential page data for um, uh, for whatever um mm -hmm. you could go back in and in the use query options there you can set up ssr true uh and so this allows you to control exactly which which queries are going to run and and uh on the server versus which will run on the client but you're using the same kind of render method you're not duplicating queries you're not duplicating all this stuff uh and this also has the advantage of if you do that in like one area and somewhere else is using that same query data, um, it'll pull it from the cache um, and render what it can. Um, so you end up, you know, you can you can just enable certain queries that have the essential data 
and then the page will render out and and okay. get you. Okay. So how does it like? What if it? What if you did it fifty-fifty? You know, half of them are SSR and half of them aren't. Will it? It'll just attempt to build as much of the page as it can. And right. It it'll it'll render out as happens. much of the page as it can. Um, it other components it? with like this loading. You know, like if you did a loading check or like if if there's data available check, it'll render out that on the mm. server side and then the client side will will try to actually fetch that that query and render well, it. Well, that seems pretty cool, right? So if you yeah. if you turn this into some slow if the server seems to be doing too much work, which I don't know how you would know, you'd just feel it probably or look at some there, there's there's ways to measure it like uh Vercel um has a lot of um next like measuring tools for uh measuring the performance of your server and all that kind of stuff. Mhm. Mm so you just you just chill out on the server side stuff if it if it seemed to matter right like some pages you kind of like not that you totally don't care but you might not care a ton like our admin yeah. tools or what's funny right. though, you test it out on our admin tools it's kind of like our admin tools don't need any server side rendering at all because like <laughs> right yeah we we were just using that as like a base for we have this GraphQL API and we want to try server-side rendering so right but if we were to use this for the pen editor or something right. then we care about every possible metric there is to care about you know right and and in those instances like that's where the seo is really important like we want the main like details of the pen to load like the user who mm -hmm. owns it like that those kind of basic details of it and uh the rest of the data can actually load on the client um, but if we can get those like seo key bits um rendered out um and mm -hmm. and also make the page load really fast like that that's going to be that's going to be, be pretty really sweet helpful. and so the developer ergonomics for this then are just like does this feel like really critical to me to be there before the client runs like then put ssr2 on it and if you don't care then just leave it off right Right. And so, yeah, it just makes it really easy to control what's server-side rendered and what's what's not um, by disabling everything by default and then um, and then selectively enabling it where, where you actually want it. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a little tough to imagine how much easier it could be. Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Maybe a little more magic or something, but... Yeah, it, it it's a little like it's a little bit of setup um, with like the Apollo thing, like you know, just recognizing that you're trying to like share an Apollo instance, um, and I tried to do it in a way where you're not having to like pass that down as a prop. Like that was one of the um, ways, like the the Tylerian example. He's like passing it through as a prop and like trying to use it there, and like you know, it just gets a little a little difficult to manage. But by doing it this way and just having this one function to Kind of pass the the shared Apollo client or or create a new one um, around, um, then that simplifies it a bit. But you know, all this document stuff is is weird. Um, uh, I'm sure even that cache stuff. It's like you have to know about the cache, and I I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that other than that, like I never cherish having to manually think about cache. You know? <laughs> yeah, Apollo does a really good job overall uh, with it, but there's you know, plenty of times where we have to manually manipulate the cache for uh, like uh, optimistic responses and, and different things like that on, on CodePen just to make the user experience as, as smooth as possible. Mm -hmm. This this was a relatively simple use of the, of the cache compared to some of the other uh, yeah. gymnastics we've pulled. 
All right. Well, that was a that was great. <laughs> Hopefully, we can. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, this this repo, repo will kind of walk through everything. There's lots of comments uh, in there that, that you may not have been able to catch on the video, but it kind of walks through the the whole process uh, and and hopefully um, makes that make well. sense. Uh, but yeah, you know, file file an issue or start a start a conversation. Oh, what yeah, what is the that. seven stars already? This is oh wow, smoking unpopular. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but that that's that's basically it. This episode of CodePen Radio on TV was brought to you by Retool. Retool.com slash startups is a new little program they have to kind of hook you up if you're a startup. You should know about this. They learned after working with thousands of startups and technical founders that they spend a ton of time building internal tools. Tell me about it. We've totally done this at CodePen a lot. It means that you're spending more time doing that than you are on your core product, which is obviously not a good thing. This Retool for Startups is a program to give you access to a lot of the software that you need to build great internal tooling, but faster, like 10 times faster, meaning you know dashboards to check stuff out, CRUD apps for you know changing and replicating data really easy, things that early stage startups totally need. So they bundled together all the free access to these tools, including Retool itself. It's $160,000 worth of discounts uh, to save you money while you're building with uh, you know, all the software that you need, like AWS, MongoDB, Brex, Segment, uh, super popular, super powerful stuff. So use the credits to you know, build a product dashboard, a billing data view, you know, convert some manual workflow into a digital workflow you know, so that your team is more efficient. Help build tools for non-technical teammates, like a little CMS kind of thing to control content. All that type of stuff is possible. The retool and other services that you'll you know basically be getting for free here because of this awesome program so go apply at retool.com slash startup <laughs>